Welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. And today we're going to talk to you a little bit about some of the spoilers that we heard at SDCC and things that we're going to be excited about for season four. So right off the bat, we got, it's funny because we just did an episode about this, the theme of season four, what is stronger, hope or fear? And it's nice to know that we are not the only people who think thematically that this is, in fact, something coming from the show itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's nice because it'll frame the rest of the season already. I mean, about halfway through, we sort of understood what the themes were. But it's nice to jump right in and be like, this is what the message is. And this is what we're dealing with. Yeah. Having that upfront, I think, also for people who are interested in what's coming for season four and who do pay attention to kind of those things released to fans, I think that will help as far as understanding like how things unfold when they watch the show. Yeah. Framing it. Yeah. And the actors seem quite excited about it so far from all their different interviews. So that's exciting. It's true. I'm excited. Yeah, they said it's going to be a little bit different from seasons of past, probably because it's so seems so political so far, like really diving in. Yeah, because I don't anticipate it being a big tone shift so much. I I think it's more in the sense of the content and maybe mm-hmm. the focus of the content. And to me, that's exciting because the show's always had the potential to go to these places. And for whatever reason, there's always been kind of a hesitance to do it, or there's been a focus on, you know, the big super-powered alien bad guy kind of stories. So to refocus it on... We've talked about this before. The idea that there's going to be, we're going to come back to kind of the season one connection to the other, to the actual people of National City and see kind of the repercussions of how Kara affects them as Supergirl, but also as Kara Danvers and and through her experience as Kara and alien living on Earth. And then we're going to see that with Jean as well. That should be really interesting because they, that hasn't happened in a while. That's true. And as far as like the political type statements go, I think the show benefits when they do it as part of the storyline. They do like to do like one-liner type things, but I think the plot thrives when they tackle it as part of the issues the characters are facing as opposed to just, hey, by the way, we believe in these things. I like it when they incorporate it into the points of everything. Yeah, and well, and we started seeing that happening much more in season three, and I think that you know, is a testament to the shift in the leadership to some extent and the refocusing and the intent to kind of get back to the idea that the show does stand for something and that it's something that people believe in and that is worth bringing out and showing, especially given kind of what's going on internationally these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Queller was saying that, just talking a little bit about in the interviews, the comics and how comics themselves tend to be about real life issues. And she's also been talking a lot about hope, help, and compassion and and what Supergirl is supposed to stand for. And it seems like they really want to bring that into the show at the forefront. Mm. And the way that Queller was also talking about this story, a sense of wish fulfillment and kind of fixing problems through these stories. Yeah. So in terms of the topics that they want to get into, we heard, you know, we're going to see more of kind of an anti-alien backlash, which when you think about it, makes a lot of sense considering season two had the Dacosomite invasion and then season three was like rain in the world killers causing havoc everywhere. 
um, it, it would be logical that people are kind of having a very strong reaction against that. Yeah. And we've had um, some individuals who feel that way, but we haven't so much seen it reflected in the, in the people of National City. Which is interesting because they did start developing sooner the issue for James with um, how people receive the Guardian and then him as being a black man who's also a superhero, but like people are afraid of him because of how they perceive him. So to see those two kind of continue to run in parallel should be really cool. That'll be interesting. And we'll see a lot of that through CACO now and reporting. So we're going to see a lot of that. Yeah. And that's really exciting, especially, you know, sometimes people are a little critical of saying, well, Kara being a journalist is like outdated and it, and it's copying Superman and blah, blah, blah. But if you've paid any attention to the news at all, the profession of journalism has been badly maligned by a number of political figures. And it's one of the only real checks on the government and places where you can get a pulse on what the actual people of a community think. It affects your day-to-day life and the fact that they are going to kind of go back to looking at Kara and, and Jeans and everyone else and, and how CACO and reporting and telling stories matters is also pretty awesome. Yeah. And Kara as a character wants to be the symbol of hope and and give people hope. So it only makes sense that she would want to shape the minds that way. Yeah. And then to know that we're getting um, the new character is going to be directly involved in, well, one of the new characters is going to be directly involved with her and at CACO and also kind of being a symbol of hope for people is exciting. Mm -hmm. And and plays into their theme again, which is um, like hope versus fear. Yes. Now we have the fear side of it is a character coming in, Mm. Agent Liberty. Who I keep jokingly referring to as evil Captain America because I couldn't remember the name that they used at first. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a good descriptor because he's very, it's very like America, but in this case, not not exactly a flattering version of America. Yeah, well, and it's funny because I nerded out a little bit with the history references embedded in his name and the choice of the character before I had even looked up the, the comic storyline. And I was like, oh, it's got to be a reference to the Sons of Liberty, yeah. which was a secret organization from the American Revolution that was actually the equivalent to a modern day like insurgency movement like they would not have been perceived well Mm -hmm. um even though we look up to them nowadays yeah but this time they're called the children of liberty which is the um that's going to be his uh his little group well for that it's it's interesting if you go back and look at the politics in the u.s over the past 10 to 15 years the people who've really embraced the the revolution symbols and those names of of like the sons of liberty and those organizations they're the people on the right mm-hmm. very much this you know the tea party movement was very involved in that and you, you're still seeing it in kind of this dogmatic like fixation on certain elements of what people think liberty is but mm-hmm. are they right is really the question yeah, it's an interesting because the character itself, I think in the comics, wasn't quite this. And I'm curious to see if they're going to do a turn like that because he was he was someone who left an organized government-sponsored job out of disgust with kind of corruption and bad behavior by the government. And then he kind of started his own quasi-vigilante movement and then they got too extreme and then he actually bailed and started like 
fighting against them. So it'll be interesting to see how his stance changes as well over the course of the season as he interacts with all of our main characters and has relationships with them. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting that you were talking about the sort of ties into history because he uses the phrase in in the trailer, divided we fall, Mm -hmm. which you had a a thing that you saw that reminded you of that. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of the very iconic um, political cartoon that Benjamin Franklin did kind of urging the colonies to unite. And it's the snake with the pieces hacked apart and it says join or die. Mm -hmm. And so obviously that's something very, very emotionally stirring, which a lot of these big political things tend to be. That's how they grab your attention. Anything grabs your attention like that. And what I found interesting about it was um, there's this song from the American Revolution called the Liberty Song, which is the sort of first modern time that we hear united we stand, divided we fall, which is the Mm -hmm. full phrase you hear often. And I thought it was interesting that it was called the Liberty Song, he's Agent Liberty. But I also thought about how he uses divided we fall as opposed to united we stand. Mm. It's like a fear tactic and that sort of has that same feeling as that join or die imagery that you were talking about. Yeah. Well, and it also stands in direct opposition to Kara's outlook, which is that we are stronger together. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like two ways to see the same idea. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like two sides of America in a lot of ways. Yes. A A feeling that I think many people can identify with at this moment in time. Yes. The one other thing with uh, Agent Liberty that I thought was interesting was in the trailer, we saw like a shadowy version of his like suit that mm. he'll be wearing. Yeah. Um, and it was this like, I don't know, it reminded me of like Man in the Iron Mask, like this. Wow, there's a throwback movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also like how we saw kind of a behind the scenes of him shooting a scene with Lena. And I joked that he looks disturbingly like Richard Spencer, the neo-Nazi who got punched in the face on TV. So we'll see what happens there. And we'll see if um, he and Lena have some interaction of some sort because she has a lot of... Uh, ideological issues that we might see. Yeah, well, it would make sense for him to, as an individual, and then as the head of this organization, to kind of try to target her Mm -hmm. as someone to either actively participate or to kind of psychologically try to manipulate into working towards his goals, whether she knows it or not. Um, And that was something that Katie brought up, I think, a couple of times in her interviews about, you know, Lena might be creating things that she wants used for good, but they might get repurposed by other people, which is a common problem with technology. Which ties into her whole Coronel issue of like the scientist who maybe goes too far or doesn't think of the consequences that we kind of talked about in the last episode. That is true. Yes. All right. So we know who one of the big threats of the season's going to be, but we haven't gotten too much new information about the second one. We have the, we're going to get a tease of Russian Kara, whose memory was wiped apparently in the first section of the season. And then did they, did they say that somewhere? Yeah, they did. Oh, okay. I must not have watched that interview. Yeah. So they were, they were saying that the Red Sun storyline is going to be teased a little bit in the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. and then becomes a centerpiece later on. So we'll likely see Agent Liberty be like kind of a big deal at the very beginning and and who knows if he'll go away or whatever, but um, that'll be probably the focus. And then shift into this other storyline with 
the Russian Kara, which makes sense because if her memory was wiped, uh, it would take a little bit more than maybe a couple months to turn her into a full person. And also we have to keep in mind that they're structuring it this way because Melissa is not there to film and hasn't been there for the last couple weeks and still won't be back for a couple more weeks. Well, I also, I also think it makes sense in general because it does. it's kind of like dealing with issues within America and then dealing with issues coming from other places. Yeah. Well, but I just wanted to bring that up because there's always people who complain about like, why wasn't this actor doing this at this date and time and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, they have lives. <laughs> it's like, true. They have other things that affect how and when they can be in different kinds of scenes. Mm-hmm. And production tends to, these, this production tends to be very kind about that. And at this point, they're filming episodes uh, three and four mm-hmm. because Melissa's not there. And then they're going to go back and film episodes one and two. Yeah, which is cool. I was curious to find out how they were going to work around that. So it was cool that they explained it. Yeah, we were all all wondering. Everyone was wondering. Well, and they've been doing some pickup shots with her stunt doubles and stuff for where you don't need to see her face so that you can at least get some of the work done and have like some of the pieces. And then she just needs to do the rest for like continuity and say her line. Mm -hmm. And it's obviously also too very clear from her interviews that, you know, when she's not actually working, doing her live show, she's prepping for work. Like she said, she's read all the scripts already and everything. So yeah, they have the first four. And then the other information we got about um, Russian Kara, which is, I think it was mostly conjecture from Melissa, but she has seen some of the stuff in the early episodes, but um, an experiment in nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting to see. I am excited for that because I I posited an idea like that like last summer, talking with a friend who was like, oh my God, what if like Kara landed back in the like 70s or 80s when she was supposed to and got found by like the Russians instead. And I was like, Kara would be a great socialist. Kara believes in (laughs) society working together. I'm like, it's not that hard to convince a 13 year old to follow an ideology. Yeah. And they, um, one thing Melissa was emphasizing was that it's not like, like an evil Kara. It's a different Kara. Yeah. What a hero looks like raised in a different situation. And I'll be curious if it's a little bit like Bizarro Kara who ultimately started out kind of bad because that was what she was taught. And then, but there was still that same core of like, I want to be a helpful, good person in there. Perhaps if it is an experiment in nature versus nurture, we'll have to see how much of the the nature comes through. Mm -hmm. Yes. Kara's personality. (laughs) Yeah. Or if um, the nurture part of it isn't what we would expect. Yeah. So, and another thing that she was talking about was hope, help, and compassion versus truth, justice, and the American way. Oh yes, I liked what she said about that. I did too. Um, she she said that she prefers Supergirl's motto, which is hope, help, and compassion for all, over Superman's truth, justice, and the American way, because it, it's all inclusive reaching out and helping a hand to someone and not enforcing an ideal to someone. And we're dealing with America. (laughs) It feels like a lot so far in in the information that we're getting about season four. Yeah. 
and and then we're going to see a Russian car come in. So there's that sense of uh, what does America mean, really? And 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 what does it stand for? And, and what it should stand for. Yeah. And see, that to me is, I won't say funny, but like that's always kind of been there. And I remember joking a lot in season two about how much there were like motifs and references to Hamilton running through a lot of things. And people were like, no, you're making that up. I was like, they literally put them on stage in the costumes and acted out the duel how much more obvious doesn't need to get like don't throw away your shot like well yeah but also i always come back to and this was my frustration i had with that season if you stand for nothing what will you fall for always jumps to my mind in thinking about you know are you wasting opportunities to to say something meaningful when you have the platform to do it yeah they they really seem to be embracing that idea in the production of the show and seem to be perhaps tackling aspects of it in the show content itself and like the whole cast was fired up talking about it in the interview. So clearly they care. Mm-hmm. They all seem really excited. Yeah. One well, also going back to kind of what you were saying about the, you know, the buildup of the, the second Kara and the, the weight on like the front half with being focused on Kara in National City versus elsewhere also makes sense too when you consider the timing of when these episodes are going to air in the fall yeah. because it's it's midterm elections in November. So I'm sure we'll see Linda Carter back as a President Wonder Woman at some point yeah well she confirmed that so well she said that but i'm guessing i'm assuming timing wise it's going to line up to get people motivated to leave their homes and, and vote hopefully yeah um, and it's cool because both of these ideas are so relevant to reporting which we're going to see yes car is going to do more reporting and car is going to get a buddy Yes, who she's going to mentor as both a reporter and as a superhero. And this buddy is Nia Now, played by Nicole Maines, and she's going to be the first trans superhero in live action. Yes, which is super awesome. And they introduced her in the middle of Supergirl's Comic-Con panel, if you haven't seen it. But anyway, yeah, so that should be super, super exciting. (laughs) Pun intended. Um, we don't quite know much about her her story yet. We kind of know where her journey is going to go a little bit. We know she's been sent to CatCo. She's worked with Cat out in, in D.C. where Cat was being the press secretary at the White House. So presumably since she's as young as she is, she was like an intern or, or something. In the- yeah, she was an intern. Yeah. And so Kara is going to be working working with her a lot, it's, it sounds like, which is very cool. It'll be exciting to see proof that Kara has learned things from Snapper Car about journalism. Yes. Because we didn't get to see her as much as people wanted. We didn't get to see her go through that process. Yeah. So it'll be, it's an interesting way to show that she does know things and, and see her deal with these things without necessarily see her relearn and go re-go through that process. Yeah. And also, I, I know the emphasis has been a lot on like Nia working with Kara, but I'd also be curious to see how we get like a three-person dynamic with James as well as someone who also straddles that line of being like in the reporting world but also like moonlighting as a superhero that's true um because and then also it kind of it kind of goes back a little bit to that season one cat code dynamic where you always had win and james and Kara working together so yeah it'd be kind of cool to see how the three of them play off of each other but there are some some teases that we've gotten in terms of mia and her superhero name and powers that she has 
Yes. Um, she's going to be called Dreamer, which I think she's going to be the, the great, 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 great grandmother of Nora Nail, who was from the comics and, and she was Dream Girl, I believe. She was in the Legion of Superheroes. You liked the name Dreamer. Yeah. Well, because my thought there when you hear the, the choice of choosing Dreamer and having seen how vocally the whole cast and the crew responded with the issues over um, the current administration's anti-immigration policies was Dreamer to me is immediately associated with, you know, people who were brought to this country as young children and who who want to stay here and be part of it, even though they're not here legally. Um, so I was like, oh, I wonder if that's also an intentional word choice, you know, nodding to, to that. Yeah. Um, and that would be really cool to see because that also is Kara's experience in a lot of ways. So, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if that ties in. Um, we also know that her superpower is that she dreams of the future. Which seems like that could be like a cool power, but also possibly horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, I'm assuming that because they talk about her having a, a drive to protect people and fight against discrimination and hatred. So mm. I'm, I'm anticipating that tying into her ability. Yeah. And perhaps, but I like the phrasing of dreams of the future because even if it is, it does turn out to be that she sees like horrible visions of the future that she has to change. It's also, it sounds positive in the sense that like she dreams of the future that typically sounds like the possibilities and, and dreams of a better world. Yeah. Well, and too, even, you know, if you, if you foresee something bad can, that might happen, you know, you can still be the kind of person who says, well, I'm going to try to prevent that or, you know, do whatever I can to make it better anyway, mm -hmm. which also kind of fits in with what we saw with the mission of the Legion last year and, you know, the exchanges of, with Brainy and Wynn about, you know, the need for people to, you know, Wynn thought he was insignificant in his time, but it ended up being a huge life-changing thing for millions of people a thousand years later. So it'll be interesting with that. I'm also interested to see if Brainy, in the same way that he knew about Wynn's future, mm. would know about Nia's future because she's the great-great-great-great-grandmother of uh, Nora Nail, who is in the Legion of Superheroes. So True. Yeah, that'll be kind of fun. And to see also, too, if Brainy has to wrestle with, like, whether he should say things or not say things to people. Mm -hmm. Yes. Speaking of Brainy, we got some hints at kind of what's on deck for him. Uh, one of the things that I was pleased to hear was that they're going to continue with um, the issues that they started sneaking in last season of him dealing with the reality of, of being mistreated or discriminated against because of his appearance. We saw that in season three, it was part of kind of the narrative they were starting to build towards the end of the season. And um, Jesse talked about, you know, it's one thing to know history, but it's very different to actually experience it when you're like, everything turns out okay in the end. But when you're going through the crappy part, it's not fun. Yeah. So we're going to experience him uh, interacting with somebody who hates him just for the way he looks. Yeah. And it'll be curious to see kind of how he, who he chooses to, to deal with that with, like in terms of who he talks about that kind of stuff with or how he processes it. Cause you know, there's a big question in a lot of people's minds is, you know, is he the new love interest for Kara? Cause that pairing is one of the main ones from her comics. And as far as we know so far, doesn't seem like it or at least it doesn't seem like it's being set up to be a rushed blatant thing yeah 
we didn't really get any information as far as any storylines those two would have this comic cons. Um, but he was saying, Jesse was saying that it's not something that they're pushing at least anytime soon. And that he doesn't just exist to be a love interest, which I know was something you had a criticism for back in season two with Monel was that he didn't really interact with anybody except for Kara. Yeah, it was a problem with all of the love interest characters. That was their sole purpose for the most part, even though they could have added to the story in other interesting ways. Um, So the fact that actually none of the interviews really talked about ships at all, um, which to me is actually a good sign because that means, you know, they're focusing on the character journeys as individual character journeys and not just being like, okay, so for this plot point, we're going to plug in like character A with character B and they're going to just like stare at each other longingly for 20 minutes and that's Mm -hmm. their story. Yeah. With Brainy so far, we we know that he like, he interacts with Lena and some sort of storyline about being surprised by her intelligence. And then he also interacts with Alex. Unsurprisingly, since he's kind of not like filling Wynn's space, but obviously he's got a similar skill set. And now that Wynn is gone, he can offer his services and keep himself busy there. Whether that keeps him out of mischief is another question. So I, I personally would like to see that pursued, but I like the fact that they're not talking about it. Oh, you mean the, the possible relationship with Garth? Yeah, because I think they're they're an interesting pair. But I'm encouraged by the fact that they're not, like, there's no sign of any love interest. Yeah, well, and actually, it might not even necessarily be that there's no sign of it, but that it's just, you know, it's just building up in the background, kind of like they took that approach more last season with the way they built it, and, um, like Lena and James. So, mm-hmm. like, they didn't even mention where that's going, really. And none of, not too many of the interview questions did either. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's obviously, it's not gone. It's just that there's so much like other kinds of content. And speaking of characters who um, have many interesting things going on, but not currently a love interest. Uh... Oh, Alex. <laughs> I, yeah. So it, we know for sure Alex and Brainy are gonna possibly butt heads a little. I can see that just because of their, both of their temperaments. Yeah. And I feel like it's probably going to be a little reminiscent of like younger Alex and younger Kara um, in some ways where, because, you know, when we saw in Midvale, Kara was like, I learned calculus when I was four. And Alex is like, you know what? (laughs) (laughs) Brainy's like 90% that quality. (laughs) Yes. And Brainy is literally, that's almost entirely (laughs) how he interacts because he's just, he's so logical about everything. And he's like, well, I am smarter than you. Like that is a fact. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, but you have to be gentle when you say that. Like um, Alex is still in charge. And, you know, and that's her new her biggest challenge is she's in charge now. There's no, like, I need an adult. And she can, like, turn around and Sean is there. Like, that's it. She's the top-level adult. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Top-level adult. That's a, I'm, I'm excited to see how that goes for her because she's definitely, over the years, clearly developed her skills as a leader. You know, Jean has always trusted her to, to run point on a lot of operations. He trusts her judgment, and he'll discuss things with her. But, you know, now that she's the person in the top position of authority, particularly as a, as a female in a male-dominated profession, it will be intriguing to see, you know, what her leadership style looks like compared to Jean's, how people react to it, um, how Supergirl responds to being told what to do. <laughs> uh, 
in in an official way as opposed to in like a siblingy way. Yeah, they tease that as a storyline that'll that'll come up. Alex and Kara butting heads a little bit. Yeah. Which is typical for them. I know, and you were like, oh, but they always say that. And I was like, yeah, and they get mad at each other for 10 minutes and then it's done. Like, you know. <laughs> no, well, what I like about when they, when Alex and Kara fight is that it's typically not, I don't know, you, you hear about like, oh, these two characters are going to butt heads over something and there's like a little bit of dread. But then I always like the way the show does it because they, they tackle core interesting things about the characters. Yeah, and, you know, there are some ways that deep down, Kara and Alex are fundamentally different for as much as they're very on the same page most of the time. Um, And that's, you know, in in good writing, the best conflicts are ones that come from characters ideologically being at odds with each other and then having to compromise and work around it. So Mm -hmm. that should be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Kyler also said that they're going to butt heads, but then also Kara's going to be off recording at some point. Oh, yeah. So Alex is really genuinely on her own in the in the DEO space. Yeah, because Jean and Wynn are gone, and it's it's just her. Alex is going to have to make some new friends, so I guess it's convenient that they cast a new series regular who has a military title mm-hmm. and presumably will be interacting with her a little bit. Yeah, um, Colonel Lauren Haley, hardline military woman. Yep, based on the... Well, we only know from the casting description, and then there was an announcement shortly after the panels at Comic-Con of the actor who'd been cast. So we know very little about this character because they didn't mention it really in any of the interviews. We know that she is dedicated to her country. She always asks, or always acts in its best interest, even if, if it's not her own. So there may be some tension perhaps with characters. Yeah. Well, and especially too with the idea that she might be, you know, an appointee coming in from the military while John and then Alex signed on to undertake his um, de-lethalization policy. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how all of that is coming to a head as far as Alex being the one in charge of that. It's funny because Jean was the one who, who started that and then he kind of stepped out. <laughs> and then he's like, well, I'm leaving. Um, yeah. Well, and it's funny because a lot there were fans who were like, but Alex, blah, blah, blah. She likes guns. I'm like, she was the second in command and she was the one who was double checking with Jean that he was sure he wanted to do it. Like that was her decision. She She's 100% behind that choice if she wasn't she would have said something and also all yeah. of, i mean she loves her like all of her weapons that she has now non-lethal gun yeah, they're not lethal and her cool magnet gloves yeah i think she just likes like cool stuff she doesn't have to be like a, a gun freak well and that was kind of like i know somebody used the term flanderization it was like that was one of the things about her character that got like over emphasized a little bit in season two and it was like they swung too far. <laughs> now they've kind of walked it back to normal. And now yeah. people are confused. Um, and then separate from that, Kyler also said, <laughs> Kyler said something that made me laugh because it was literally something we talked about in the first episode of this podcast <laughs> extensively, which is that Alex is learning how to balance all the elements of her life, which I take as tacit approval for everything <laughs> that I've ever said about Alex. Ever. <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, but the um, 
just to sort of sum up the idea that all these people that she sort of shaped herself to be who she is around, like like John and, and Kara specifically, aren't there. So when Kyler said Alex is figuring out who she is independent of who she's with, I thought that was a good characterization for everything. <laughs> Yeah, it was good. And it was also important that she was emphasizing that it isn't just about romantically. I remember thinking this even in season one, being like, who is Alex independent of who she is when she's standing next to somebody else? Because we, she always is thinking about other people to the point that she doesn't think about herself. And I was like, we don't really know her as a solo person too much. And we didn't really even start to see glimpses of her like alone in a scene until maybe a couple couple of times in season two but like really in season three was the first time that we started seeing it and so for me that's actually exciting that they're gonna continue to explore that because I think that's a problem that a lot of of women particularly younger women have where you're socialized you know to put other people's needs and wants before your own to the point that you're like I don't even know what my needs and wants are Mm -hmm. so you know, she figured that out at the end of last season and in the finale was like ready to start thinking about, you know, getting back out there and living her life. So it'll be cool to see her journey on that both professionally and personally. Yeah. And from a characterization perspective, it's always good to see the writers put the characters in, in situations where you don't know what's going to happen necessarily. You're like, what? <laughs> as a viewer, I'm like, how's this going to look? So that's always fun. It's going to be fun. <laughs> And after we've just said that Alex is really going to be learning how to deal with things independently, a couple of interviewers asked David if now that Jean's left the DEO, is is he going to still have that kind of parental relationship with Alex and Kara? And he was like, yeah, of course. There, I definitely already filmed a scene where I'm on the phone with Alex because she's calling me about something. Yeah, so he's not going to be in the DEO as much, although we have heard that he will be in the DEO with civilian clothes on at some point. Right, and didn't we joke in the last episode that we had only ever seen Jean in normal clothes like once? Yeah. So (laughs) they've answered our wishes. (laughs) Yes. So he's around. He's just not necessarily doing DEO type storylines. He's doing, although I think he'll he'll struggle with the fact that he's not doing DEO type storylines. Like that's just not his setting as much. No. Yeah. David talked about that a little bit with, you know, that Jean's been kind of on high alert, guarding himself against people kind of attacking him or you know running the DEO for so long and being the Martian Manhunter that the thought of not directly fighting or stepping in to conflict is something he's going to have a hard time with, perhaps. Yeah. And um, that sort of ties into, they talked about how his father was like this pacifist and, and how he wants to be like him. And can he continue to be like that in these times, mm. tying into their, their bigger theme of the divided America and, and hope versus fear and all the chaos that's happening. And we saw a bunch of that, like we saw Jean talk about the things that his father would say to him in past episodes. I was just watching the scene where he talked about being the calm in the center of the storm mm. with Carl. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that translates and like when he should act and when he should be that calm in the center of the storm. Yeah. And it'll be also interesting to see him interacting with like other human people who don't necessarily always spend time around aliens. Cause like he, we've seen him spend a lot of time around like Akara and Alex and, and Wynn who, you know, went to the lengths of learning Martian to talk to his father <laughs> and, and they're all very familiar with kind of that challenge and and people who struggle with that identity 
issue. Um, so to see him just kind of out and about in National City, like living a normal person life will be really interesting because we don't really know what that would look like for him or, you know, who who he chooses to associate himself with the issues that he get and gets engaged by. You noted that one of the other new characters that they cast named Manchester Black and that are you guessing that he's going to be someone that Jean interacts with a lot or was this already kind of hinted? Well, it wasn't hinted in them describing it, but there was a picture that David had with him. We don't really know the new characters to the extent of which um, main characters they'll be interacting with. Like Manchester Black could end up also interacting with Alex or... Um, or Kara. Or Kara. Or um, James. Well, I'm thinking in terms of the characters the that need new mm. new characters to oh, interact like, with. Yeah. Um, because we know Kara has, has Nia and... Um, we're, we're assuming Alex is is getting a couple well Alex is going to have the thing with Brainy and then possibly the new military person so yeah it would make more sense that this is someone for Jean to kind of play off of yeah so far we just know that Manchester Black is the type of guy who brings a knife to a gunfight and still walks away the winner he has a dark past which sounds awesome (laughs) um and so I'm wondering if David will like interact with that sort of like maybe an underbelly of National City type deal Mm. and in the comic uh, Manchester Black tried to get Superman to kill. So maybe he'll be a foil for John's new pacifism. That could be really interesting. You know, it's really funny, though. The the type of person who brings a knife to a gunfight and still wins sounds like someone who'd also be great friends with Alex. (laughs) Well, this is what I'm saying. Well, I'm also wondering if maybe inadvertently John's like trying to be connected to national city and all that stuff will like just bring itself back to the DEO. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if these characters will cross over anyway. Probably at some point. And then let's see, you found a couple other good teases about Jean. Yeah. um, We'll go back to his, his father and um, trying to remain a pacifist. He said that there were like rumblings of talk about bringing Carl Lumbee back to have Jean communicate with his father somehow. Well, that would be really cool. You could you could do some hand waving uh, sci fi stuff with that because he he reads minds and has like a psychic connection. For some reason, he's mm. plus dreams are coming into play all the time. So true, you never know. But to go back to the psychic thing, I will be curious to see how we see Jean use his powers now that he's not with the DEO all of the time or directly. That's a thing we talk about a lot as far as like the morality of his powers. Yeah, like we know kind of what he can do with them, but like ethically, what does he choose to do with them? I'm I'm excited to find out a little more about that. Because it means so it means something different on Earth than it would, you know, back on mm-hmm. Mars where everyone's sort of open and so it's like a whole new mindset for him or would have been back when he first arrived. So Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if that comes into play. It will. And then let's see, you have another note, which I did not come across this interview, but about Jean might possibly fall in love at some point this season. Mm-hmm. What? It's true. Uh, he said that he doesn't know if it's an alien or human. Um, I'm not sure if that mm-hmm. means that he doesn't know anything about her mm-hmm. or if it just means that he doesn't know enough to, to know that. But yeah. Also, that apparently he mentioned he has a scene where he argues with uh, Kara. Yeah, which is funny because Kara also has like arguments with Alex. So <laughs> there's some family bickering. <laughs> yeah, uh, about some uh, about how to deal with the situation. I think. Yeah. Well, it's unsurprising. He and he and her going all the way back throughout the series. They always kind of 
they'll butt heads in a way that's productive because ultimately they both end up learning from each other and kind of compromising in the end. Yeah. Well, they the show tries to do that generally. Yeah, but I, but just in specifically in kind of how they both attack problems and how they think about things. Like they generally want the same results, but they tend to have very different approaches sometimes. Mm-hmm. But and but Kara's gotten a little bit better at, at being willing to listen over the years. That's true. As opposed to early. Although I do wonder because cause Melissa talked about Car being the most confident she's ever been. True. So we'll see. <laughs> maybe she's getting a little too uh, overconfident. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe it's an argument that we're not even anticipating and it's about like pizza toppings. <laughs> maybe. Which is a fight I could see. I still want, sorry, speaking of food, but we mentioned this yesterday jokingly. I would love a scene of Jean and Kara commenting upon like interplanetary food things. Like, yeah. Because that's just such an expatriate kind of conversation that naturally happens when you're with other people in a foreign place. And it's something the show just hasn't really explored yet. And and I would love to see just that little slice of life where the two of them are talking about all this random stuff and Alex just sitting there like, what is happening? (laughs) Which reminds me like the upside of the fact that they're going to be arguing is that they're going to be interacting. I was like, Cara and and Sean. interactions i love watching their scenes their scenes and then jean and alex's scenes like and every and everybody in those interviews seems aware of the fact that those are like a favorite part of the show for many viewers so mm-hmm. fingers crossed we'll get some more good ones <laughs> david david said i am the father of the entire universe and i accept it because <laughs> he's space dad <laughs> yep hey dude he actually took the um the artwork that comic girl did with him holding the space dad mug that was his icon on either twitter or instagram for a while so you know own it (laughs) as he should and i'm i'm glad that he has embraced it i mean he's hundreds of years old he's got to put that wisdom to good use (laughs) oh but real quick um it just occurred to me the argument with supergirl maybe has to do with his being a pacifist now oh true that would be interesting and that would be a really interesting flip on how Kara usually gets mad at her human friends for stepping into the the vigilante role because they're soft and squishy and might die yeah and then if you're if you have the ability to help but you don't then that's she you get a different kind of anger from her yeah which happened with Monel did but then she even and this was more on in the red k episode but she was you know, goading Jean about not that's true doing all the things that he could. So it'll be. I wonder if they're going to go back to that. Wow. That would be awesome. Huh. Look at that! Well, he stumbled into that by accident, and now <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it makes the most sense, I think, um, for it something does. for them to butt heads about because of the storylines that they have right now. Yeah. Well, speaking of Kara and her very precise opinions about who should help with things, how and when. <laughs> Let's talk about James, because he left off at the end of season three with um, announcing that he was the Guardian, and apparently we're going to see very quickly how the fallout of that transpires. They phrased it like the fallout of two worlds colliding. Um, But what was really interesting to me was that um, Makad was talking about how there's fallout and then there's unexpected support. Mm. And perhaps ties into the fact that, which is something else he mentioned, the fact that he's doing things aliens usually do. Yes. So I'm wondering if, if perhaps who could possibly um, <laughs> maybe some Agent Liberty type 
characters are supportive. It it would be an interesting continuity from seeing him in um, atypical spaces for... That's true, yeah. Like with Morgan Edge last season, so... Atypical spaces because he was in a a boardroom full of uh, like white men. Yeah, full of white dudes. And Lena. <laughs> and Lena. White man and Lena. I, I just, yeah, I just rewatched that episode recently and it frustrates me how much people missed that subtext of, mm-hmm. of that scene because they made it very clear that they are both the odd people out in that room for very different reasons. But that's one of the reasons that, that James and Lena kind of connect to each other yeah. in that scene. It's because they're both the minority somehow and the other. Mm-hmm. And then one other cool thing that came up in McCod's interviews was um, somebody asked him if Guardian had a motto like Supergirls, what would it be? And his answer was really interesting. He said it would be justice is your birthright. And that was just it was interesting to hear him say that in the context of, you know, what we saw at the end of last season with um, James talking about his early experiences with with racism and being mistreated as a little boy. And then how you saw that extend through, you know, he's taken on this role as the CEO of Catco, but he's still kind of being, you know, treated disrespectfully by people like Morgan Edge and he's the only, you know, non-white person in the room full of all of the powerful people in National City. And it also it's interesting in the sense of justice is your birthright, like his argument with Kara mm-hmm. yeah. back when he was becoming guardian, um, and the fact that he should be able to have be a figure of justice despite the fact that he's perhaps not gifted with magical powers. This is true. Yeah, well, and then also, too, you think, you know, at the end of last season where even as Guardian, he was still not necessarily being as well-received as other superheroes or, you know, he went to try to save the girl from the cult and the police thought he was responsible. Mm -hmm. So not just the fact that he doesn't have powers and he's just a human, but the fact that he's a black man um, and this figure of justice and trying to be a symbol of hope. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that gets incorporated maybe into what we see for James and Guardian this season, especially since it's been obvious, you know, McCod talked about how much the cast and the crew are discussing amongst themselves kind of these topics and they're they're willing to try to do it better and, and get those messages out there because they understand what they mean to people. Um, and so between that and then like the storyline with Mia and then the kind of immigrant and the storylines with Jean and Brainy it'll be it'll be an interesting season yeah and I, I get the impression that they're they're listening to the actors experiences as far as um all of that because the last season they did with James's story about the first time he really viscerally experienced racism was McCod's story was based on his story mm-hmm. and now we have Nia who is played by Nicole Maines who is a outspoken activist and and a spokesperson for trans issues. So I'm, I'm thinking there that what we talked about in the last podcast about them listening to, to feedback. Yeah. To feedback is even more incorporated this season. We didn't hear much about James's relationship with Lena, but I'm assuming that it'll tie into one of them mentioned it in an interview, just that they're, they're obviously still together. Um, that they they clearly don't always see eye to eye on certain social and cultural things for fairly obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. I think it was McCod maybe in one of his interviews, but that they will kind of continue to to try to work through it as much as possible and 
if they can't, that'll be a conflict at some point. Yeah. Um, I am wondering if Agent Liberty will interact with both of them. And then that'll probably. be a storyline that they have sort of maybe their both of their reaction to whatever that situation is in a dialogue about it. I hope so. If, if only because scenes are always more interesting when there's more than two people. So uh-huh. I hope I hope that is the case. But in terms of Lena, we kind of already covered some of the stuff that that she's going to be doing like we know she's going to continue with her testing of the Haranel obviously that her plan was to like get it to replace like nuclear fuel or some other really lofty aspirational mm-hmm. positive goal yeah kind um, of like her curing cancer startup that she had yep um, but a lot of the questions that came to, to Katie about, about Lena were kind of questioning her about, you know, is she secretly evil? Is she good? You know, what's going on there? So she was, she really was more speaking about, you know, the issues that we all have, your perspective of what's right. In, it depends on your place in society and the point in time you are in history and all these other things. Yeah, she mostly talked about the uh, the aspect that is the technology and, and whether or not it's used for good or bad, which might be perhaps the children of liberty get a hold of something. Um, yeah. Well, that would be kind of like in season two or no, last season when uh, there were those bad guys who got a hold of the DEO's weapons yeah. or similar weapons. Um, so that would be more continuity. That's true. And perhaps make her reconsider how she's going about the Harnell situation, or perhaps not. Yes. She also did comment briefly on um, how she, too, notices that it's a little weird that Lena does science in, like, high-heeled shoes. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it got a little bit more complicated when she started doing, like, medical stuff. Yeah, in her dresses. <laughs> 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 I need to electroshock you, but I'm going to wear this necklace that's dangling <laughs> down that you might grab and strangle me. Oh. Um, <laughs> this is fine. So uh, I'm interested to see what sort of outfits Lena wears. Uh. Lena, they might need to reconsider a little Lena's lab. Um, if we're gonna, I like I appreciate the representation of ladies in STEM, but if we're going to do it, commit. It's true. So it seems like Lena's going to be not just working with the Harnell, but working with tech and such. She said she was possibly also consulting with the DEO a little, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think I heard that too. That'll be intriguing. Yeah. Which brings us to a question we might have, which is where the suit from the trailer came from. Yeah, there was a new super suit and a very different looking super suit. Mm-hmm. Conveniently with a helmet. <laughs> conveniently production-wise with a helmet. Right? Amazing. It's like you can film it because you can't see the face. (laughs) So while Melissa's in New York, there is still a Supergirl running around. (laughs) It's true. I'm thinking maybe like an alternate suit for like a situation that Kara has to deal with. There was this suit in the comics, um, in one of the Superman comics, in which she had to wear like a full body suit because the Earth was radiated with with kryptonite. Interesting. Uh, He had to protect himself from it, couldn't leave the fortress without it. So, Well, that would be a reason to not have Kara be present for a little while. (laughs) That's true. Now that you've said that. Yeah, so I think that could tie into her fighting with agent liberty and then the fact that maybe Mm. it does sort of seem kind of patriotic like has that aura about it might be the fact that she's also american and is fighting against this other image of america 
True. And we do know that Kara's background was marketing. So she definitely, <laughs> in her brain, has an eye on like her own personal brand and her, her style and what have you. Mm-hmm. So then are you suggesting that Brainy built this current suit? Be- or maybe, oh. Lena, maybe Lena helped. Maybe it's kind of like a Lexo suit, but not. Oh, because cause Lena and Brainy work together. It's true. Because uh, he doesn't respect her intelligence and then grows to or something like that. <laughs> so maybe they're working on a suit. Maybe. And then we have the crossover. So as far as we know, they don't know all the details of how it's going to work yet. Other than that, it will be introducing Batwoman for her own live action show. Yeah, they might have like a like a general sketch of like things that are going to happen, but they haven't like sat down to talk about it. And we haven't gotten any teases yet on like which Earth it's going to be on. I know a lot of people are are lobbying and hoping that it's going to be on Supergirl's Earth because there's been so many more asides about vigilantes and the Bat family in Gotham. Especially if it's going to be like a show, like that's a lot of shows on one Earth. Well, that and also as another female-led show, it would be kind of cool if they were in the same existence <laughs> those would be like more natural ones to cross over like flash and arrow make sense that they connect to each other as much as they do and they have very similar demographics so like yeah we have to if it's going to be like a, a thing that happens all the time you have to have a super and a bat i mean come on <laughs> it's true um so that would be that'll be interesting to see let's see what else did we discover kevin smith is going to be back again directing in season four he's going to be there for episode 408 which he said is going to be their last one before they go to break but i'm assuming he means like their last independent one because i know they said the crossover is going to be in the beginning of december this year instead of november like it usually is yeah they said like episode nine or ten would be the crossover so so i'm assuming yeah so he's gonna do eight and then maybe nine is gonna be the crossover yeah and then you want to tell the other directing news that we discovered David Harewood, our beloved John, is going to direct episode 419. And everybody's very excited about it. That should be really fun because David already posts so many like great behind the scenes photos and stuff. So him like directing, it's going to be... Didn't he also say in one of the questions that he was the one most likely to spoil things? (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Well, yeah, because he posts all the pictures on Instagram. Imagine how much worse it would be though as the director because like he's got the whole... (laughs) script and he's got like he's filming he can like make videos while everybody else is filming it's gonna oh man well maybe that'll make him him more aware of Mm, it true and and not spoil as much because he's more behind the scenes and and is told more or like makes more decisions about what should be it's interesting that they already know which episode it's going to be that far into the season because that Mm. implies that they have planned considerably a lot of the the general gist of the season which is, yeah. I mean, that's normal, but like, that's a good thing. <laughs> it's a normal and good thing. <laughs> it is. But it's also funny that like Space Dad's going to direct. Um, and then one other piece of directing news, I forget exactly who said it, but um, apparently the goal for the show, at least Supergirl, I don't know, I'm assuming this is probably the case for all of the Berlantiverse shows, is um, their goal is to have 50% of the episodes directed by women for season four, mm-hmm. which is exciting. Um, so for comparison, the writer's room is currently about 60% women. And then in terms of directing, in season one, women were only 15%, and season two was about the same. But last year, 
they actually got the total number up to seven, which was about 30% of all the episodes. So they need to get it up to like 12-ish for Um, this season. Yeah, and that sort of ties into how they're they're trying to have people with experience in um, like different types of minorities and stuff like that influence the production and the storytelling of the series. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's especially nice to see that there's concern for that in a behind the scenes way, because it's very easy to, you know, pay lip surface to diversifying your casting, but it's when you change the the behind the scenes stuff, the production and the the diversity there that you really will start to see change like throughout the industry. Mm In terms of, you know, how stories get told, who tells them, and then also in addressing kind of systemic issues with regard to like sexism or racism or harassment. So props to Greg Berlanti for continuing to kind of spearhead that and yeah. make at least the <laughs> empire of shows that he runs a more inclusive place. And he's done a lot for the um, industry as far as uh, different kinds of representation. So particularly LGBT community stuff. So yeah. So I'm pretty excited to see how this hope or fear theme spreads throughout the season and and talking about America and talking about politics and talking about inclusion, um, hope, help, and compassion and see how that is reflected in the storytelling more than ever, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of been saying it throughout the whole episode, but I am looking forward to a lot to the shift in the storytelling and where they're planning to go with it. Because they've been trying to bring this in more and more every season. And I think every year it's integrated more smoothly. So I look forward to seeing how they implement that. Yeah. And what it means for the characters. And Yeah. So if you haven't gotten a chance to see what happened at SDCC, we hope this filled you in a little bit. And we'll be back pretty soon with our next episode, which is going to talk about... (laughs) The music of Supergirl. Yes. We're going to talk about music of Supergirl because unknown to the rest of you, we sing all the time.